Hey there, welcome to the podcast, this is Santi, and today we have a special episode because I'm going to be addressing what a new listener from the podcast, Jonathan, what he's struggling with, and we he was kind enough to send a voice note with the struggles. I uh, We were talking a bit, and I asked him if he could record his voice for the podcast. He was willing to do it, so thanks for that, Jonathan. I really hope the things that I put together for you are helpful. And yeah, for everyone else, I am going to be talking, well, we're going to be discussing the ideas of how to deal with negative emotions, how to deal with human relationships. And of course, this is all related to Stoic philosophy. And yeah, so if you're familiar with Stoic philosophy, it's going to be really helpful because we're going to be exploring some some concepts. But enough, if not, don't worry, because I'm going to put it in simple terms that, of course, we can all relate and apply these things in our lives as as of yeah as right now just starting applying it right now right so um negative emotions human relationships and how to deal with disappointment so without any further ado i'm gonna play the first part of the clip by jonathan It's gonna be divided into clips and here's the first part i definitely struggle with keeping my emotions in check when dealing with all aspects of life but even more so when it comes to relationships so yeah, I'm going to split it in a couple of parts. So first, we're going to talk about that idea of dealing with negative emotions, right? And specifically when it comes to relationships. Now, first, I want to discuss what it, what truly is to have negative emotions, right? If you think about it, it's really the type of emotions that you would rather not have, right? Sometimes we just want to get rid of negative emotions. We wish we didn't experience sadness. And of course, that is wrong. I mean, well... First is impossible. Second is not may is maybe not the most useful belief because to have a full rounded human experience, we need both the positive emotions that we crave and that we desire, as well as the negative ones that we often feel hinder us or don't allow us to be the people we want to be. But it's this whole idea, right? If if you don't experience sadness, how can you experience happiness? Because happiness is only it's only good in our eyes because we consider that sadness is bad, right? So we can only have the good if the bad exists. If everything were good, if everything were amazing all the time, would it would it really be amazing? I mean, what do you have to compare it to? Like happiness is only happiness because there's sadness to compare it to or any other negative emotions, right? So when it comes to relationships, right? I mean, we're going to get deeper into this in, in a little bit, but, but yeah, I mean, relationships are difficult, right? And so from a stoic perspective, I this is something I've been wondering a lot. If if you read a lot about Stoic books, um, we they, they discuss a lot about what it means to have a friendship with someone, what it means to depend on other people or to do things for the common good. But the way I see it, like I I think when I when I hear the word relationship, I either think of a romantic relationship or a relationship with your family, loved ones, people who are really close to you, right? Of course, it also means relationships with human beings with everyone right but for this episode we're gonna keep it into the idea of loved ones so someone you're close to or maybe someone you spend a lot of time with and maybe is someone who's not that the best influence in your life we're also going to discuss that in a bit but yeah i just want to play the next part of the clip by jonathan so here goes i've been working on avoiding unnecessary attachment and accepting the things that happen around me of which i have no control so this is a basic stoic concept, and in case you haven't heard of it, I am going to just explain it real quick, but it's called the dichotomy of control, right? This is a concept that the ancient stoics talk a lot about, and the idea is that there are some things in our power and some things that are not in our power. 
And we will always suffer if we keep focusing on things we have no control over. So, of course, Jonathan here is making a reference to that. He's definitely read his stoicism and he knows that focusing too much on things you have no control over causes a lot of suffering, right? So he said he's been working on avoiding unnecessary attachment and accepting things that happen which he has no control over, right? So unnecessary attachment, that is a really good way to put it because we can get attached to anything. I mean, we can, we often get attached to money, material possessions, all type of fancy luxury things that are not essential to live a good life. And we get attached to them or we get attached to our expectations, either of someone or something or a life, but that we wish we could, we could, you know, like have, but we end up not being able to do those things. So getting rid of, getting rid of unnecessary attachment is a key thing towards a happy life towards a meaningful life because when you talk if, you, if we were to compare this to buddhism right uh, which you can see it either as a religion or as a philosophy uh, that would be another podcast but they have this idea that the desire is the source of suffering so the more we desire the more we'll suffer now just put an asterisk on that because i'm going to address that towards the end of this episode so stay tuned for that but but yeah so the more things we desire the more we suffer so one way to technically strive a good life would be to achieve everything, right? Or to stop desiring so many things. Now, which one is more realistic? Because we're never going to be achieve everything we desire. The more things we desire, the less we'll have because there's going to be way more disappointment. If you desire a lot of things, you're going to be way more disappointed than if you lower your expectations about what you want. Now, I'm not saying be a, how do you even pronounce this, a nihilist, you know, nihilism, the philosophy where nothing really matters, kind of. Well, I'm sure I'm misrepresenting the ideas behind it, but let's just let's just say it as that. That if you were to believe that nothing really matters and we, I'm not going to desire anything because nothing matters, I believe that's wrong too. I think that's a bad approach towards life, honestly. Um, the key would be to desire things that are more internal, such as wisdom, right? Go ask your friends. Go ask, I don't know, just someone in the street. What do you desire most? They're going to tell you a big house, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, uh, money, um, something fancy that I wanted to buy since, I don't know. Either way, you're going to get a lot of these responses, right? And and probably we would even say that to other people, right? Because that's the way society trains us to be. No one is telling you, yeah, I really desire wisdom, man. I, I just wish I was so much wiser than I am now. Now, if you talk to someone, if, t- if you talk to a listener of this podcast, I hope <laughs> that is what everyone's striving for. But... It's something that we put a lot of effort into into changing about ourselves, right? It's not the way we're born. We don't we're not born deciding deciding that we want to strive towards wisdom, right? We read books, we educate ourselves, and we realize maybe maybe I don't want to follow a path of materialism. Maybe I just want to follow wisdom, or I want to learn. I want to educate myself. I want to learn how to deal with my emotions and myself better, right? So. Yeah, wisdom is not a very common desire, right? So if you wish for things like that, such as wisdom, you'll have a much better life because you're wishing for something that cannot be taken away. No one can force no one can force you to give away your wisdom, right? Definitely you could wish to act, act foolishly, but that is kind of a choice that you made for yourself. No one can truly, truly make you decide to act foolishly, right? So Deciding to wish for things that cannot be taken away. That is the key towards healthy desires. Of course, you can desire other things such as a safe house 
or a good relationship but you yeah we'll go back to that but that is that is the point that I wanted to to address there now there's another idea that I wanted to express just because Jonathan talked about this idea of some things are in my control some things are not in my control letting go of the things that are not in my control right that is the way towards a calmer mind now there's this idea that the Stoic said, right? It's called the dichotomy of control, which I just explained. But um, I believe in the book, what is it? The Path to the Good Life? Or sorry, I forgot the name. Either way, it's by uh, William Irvine. So what is it called? I'll leave it in the show notes. I'm really sorry. I haven't read it in a while. But he talks about the trichotomy of control, which is the idea that maybe this dichotomy of control that the Stoics talk about, which is, binary right it's one thing and the other is black or white some things are in my control some things are not in my control um bill Irvin talks about the idea of the trichotomy of control where some things are in my control some things are not in my control and some things i have some control over right so that is the third one and that is important because otherwise we might go around life just thinking everything is black or white and that's not really the case like there are things that you have some control over, and I believe relationships are really the case, right? So because if you were, if we were to just give an example, right, the weather doesn't matter how much I wish for the rain to stop or I wish for the sun to come out, anything like this, like there's no amount of effort or desire that I can put into the weather to make it stop or change. So that is one of the things that is fully outside of my control, right? But a relationship, especially with someone you leave, perhaps, right? A family member, a loved one, a sibling, right? Like, you do have some control over. Now, I'm not saying you can't control other people because you really can't, but you can't control yourself and you can't control the way in which you act towards them. And maybe if you if you communicate things better, if you act with kindness without expecting things from the other person, it's much more likely that they're going to be reciprocate. But you have to be careful without expecting too much from them because... That is where you start suffering when you start saying like, no, I, I give all these things that you should give back, right? I believe the most valuable aspect of love is to give, not to receive, right? But again, like that's a that's a really complicated topic that we'll probably fully address in another podcast because it gets really complicated. But yeah, so let's just keep playing what Jonathan said on the next part. So here it goes. I definitely struggle with keeping my emotions in check when dealing with all aspects of life, but even more so when it comes to relationships. I've been working on avoiding unnecessary attachment and accepting the things that happen around me of which I have no control. But it's hard. This takes concerted, focused effort each day. And some days are better than others. Dealing with disappointment or rejection in a healthy, constructive manner. Not to discount the pain or hurt, but also not allowing yourself to wallow in that place of negativity for longer than is necessary to release any attachment and move forward. But it's hard. This takes concerted, focused effort each day. And some days are better than others. So I just wanted to make a quick note on that, right? So it is full of effort, right? Like letting go of things we have no control over, which is what Jonathan was addressing, takes constant effort, right? And some days are better than others because we don't always have the energy to act in the way we wish we could, right? And just a little note on, that I just remembered, which I didn't address in the previous in the previous 
part, uh, was this idea that Epictetus said, right? The Epictetus, the ancient philosopher, Stoic philosopher, he was criticized for this a lot because it sounds really harsh. Like it sounds really difficult to actually implement. But Epictetus said uh, something like, something among the lines of whenever you say goodbye to your kid at night. So if you were to have, if you were to wear a father, let's say, and you were to say goodbye to your kid at night, you should think to yourself, memento mori, right? Memento mori, remember you're mortal, remember mortality, remember we're all going to die. That is the idea that I end every every podcast episode on. I always say that as an outro because I believe it's a powerful reminder. But Epictetus said that regarding, say, like a, a kid you have, right? Your your children. Um, so yeah, saying that about your child. And, and that is very difficult because... Well, I'm not a father. I don't really know much about that. I don't know how it would feel to actually do that. But it's really remembering that every day that you spend on earth, right? It could be your last or it could be your loved one's last, right? And it's really hard to picture those things with someone like a kid because your other parent, you don't expect them to die before you, things like this. And it's really hard to engage in this type of thoughts, but it will make you so much more grateful. I mean, there was this idea of comparing a parent who does this every now and again right thinking to themselves that this could be the last day they could share with their kid uh, versus a parent who's never really aware of this who doesn't really care like the second parent could spend all their day watching tv reading the newspaper without paying any attention to the kid and if something bad happens they'll they'll regret it their whole life whereas the parent who is aware of his mortality and his kid's mortality he will enjoy every moment i mean it's a beautiful thought and i get that it's really really hard to to you know to internalize I'm not a parent, I really don't know what it must feel like to think these things, but I believe it's useful, and I it's something definitely I want to practice down the line when I have kids of my own, but I understand it's really difficult, but yeah, I mean, I just wanted to get that across because I think it's, a, it's something that in Stoicism is very criticized as a very harsh way to see human relationships, but I believe it's valuable, so yeah, uh, Jonathan here... <laughs> Here it goes, like the last part of Jonathan's voice note. Dealing with disappointment or rejection in a healthy, constructive manner, not to discount the pain or hurt, but also not allowing yourself to wallow in that place of negativity for longer than is necessary to release any attachment and move forward. Right. So, yeah, I mean, here are a lot of really good things. So dealing with disappointment, right, in a constructive manner, that is the way Jonathan describes it. And... Yeah, well, it goes back to suffering, right? And this reminds me of something that Seneca said in Letters from a Stoic, where he's talking about a funeral, right? Going back to the the previous idea, if someone you love dies unexpectedly or something, like there's going to be a group of people, which is usually the family or, you know, close people to whoever just passed away. There's always going to be someone who's crying more than other people, who's suffering a lot, who's mourning the death of of the, the loved one, right? And, well... I mean, from this is arguable, right? But some people might see that as weakness. Some people might see that that as vulnerability. You know, like it's it's really perspective. Some people might see that as someone calling for attention because they want to be taken care of by other people. So kind of a sort of neediness. Now, if you were to guess, what would you say the Stoic perspective is on this? Right? Just think about it. What would a Stoic say of such a person? And this is something that really made me think because when I started reading that, I really thought. Seneca was going to criticize that person, but he says, no, I mean, 
we need to cry. We need to cry our sorrows. We need to mourn the, the death of loved ones. We need to be aware of our human emotions because we cannot eliminate them, right? We just need to accept them and learn to, to deal with them, right? So he says it's okay to cry. It's okay to suffer. It's okay to, to mourn the death of a loved one. Just find the moment at which you can move on. Find the moment at which you can say, okay, I mean, it's enough tears and I can move on now because otherwise you're going to end up like the example of a, of a mother who loves a kid and she could never recover herself. She's sad for life. She will never be herself again. She will never be the person she used to be. And she could, I mean, according to this example, which is in, in Seneca's book, he talks about this woman who's not even looking after her other kids because her first kid died. And she's so sad that she cannot do her job as a mother. She cannot do her job as a human being. She cannot do anything, right? So he says... Be aware, be be cautious of, of being sad forever, of never overcoming your sorrows, right? For learning to deal with them in a constructive matter, right? In a sorry, in a constructive manner, like Jonathan said, right? So that is the idea, to to be able to just deal with this. And and you might think, you might have thought that the stoic way to deal with such a you know, such sorrow would be to just deal with it, like not cry and be a man, right? That is one of the biggest misconceptions of, well, at first stoicism, like people think stoic philosophy is all about swallowing your emotions and not dealing with them, whereas it's really quite the contrary, is dealing with them in a healthy manner. And yeah, the other big problem that we have is like this idea of masculinity, of like men don't cry. It's one of the most damaging things it has done to our society. So don't believe in that. <laughs> it's just... It's just so terrible, such a terrible way to see in life, such a sadness to think men don't cry. I'm going to cry right now, we're back. <laughs> but yeah, and finally, the, the idea of perspective, right? This is amazing. I love this concept because we have Marcus Aurelius talking about the view from above, to see the world from a distance, to, to imagine we can get out of our bodies and see things from a distance, like high above to see your city, to see your country, to see the continent, to see the planet, right? And to look down and to realize that that is human existence and that every problem that you face is just so insignificant, so tiny, and just one more dot in all the, in, you know, it, part of this bigger dot that is the planet. And it's full of dots, full of suffering, full of problems. So yeah, just a really good way to put things in perspective. Just a bit of a story there was this uh, astronaut called Edgar Mitchell, who in 1971, he saw the planet from a distance of 305, sorry, 350,000 kilometers, which in miles is 217,000 miles, um, just in case you're American. <laughs> and he felt an overwhelming sense of connection, right? And in this moment, he could see he could see all their suffering and joy and he could see that everything comes from this tiny dot, which is the earth. And if, if, if in case this reminded you of Carl Sagan's words about the pale blue dot, that's exactly it. To, to remember that we are all part of this blue dot in space that is so small and is the source of everything that has ever happened throughout history. If you haven't read that, I'm going to leave it in the show notes. Um, it's in the link in the show notes so that you can check it out because it's just a beautiful, beautiful way to see the place we live in, the place we call home, which is a planet. So check that out in heaven. And if you have, just check it again. It's super cool.
And finally, I would just like to close with a couple more thoughts on, well, again, relationships, right? Now, I'm going to talk, so we discuss relationships with loved ones, right? Now, I'm going to talk about relationships with people who are probably not the best in our lives right now, right? People who might be negative influence in our lives, people who drag us down or drain us emotionally. Here's the thing. There's a concept called escalation of commitment, which is also known as the sunk cost fallacy, in case you heard about it. But if not, it goes like this. It's to have a sense of foolish consistency in a, in a behavior that has no benefits. Let, let me read that again. So it's to have a sense of foolish consistency in a behavior that has no benefits. Yet we find it hard to quit because we feel we've already committed and we must stay consistent at all costs. Now, we tend to think that consistency is a good thing, but take the example of your friends from high school, right? Maybe they're good people still. Maybe they're not. Maybe they just, I mean, I'm not saying they're bad people, but maybe they just have different values. They acquire different ways to see life. Some maybe more pessimistic, maybe some giving up on a lot of things that you're still fighting for. Maybe their the values are just different, right? People who are no longer a positive influence in your life, right? I don't I get this complicated, but let's just assume it's a negative influence, okay? <laughs> so the idea says that, okay, I must be consistent because we've been friends for 20 years and we go out on Tuesdays every day and we get drunk and this is what we do every Tuesday, so we must keep doing it. But this is really damaging my health, but I must keep consistent because I'm a consistent person. No. I mean, you don't have to be foolishly consistent. You can say no. You can break commitments because... And when do you break commitments? You break commitments when your goals change, when your values change, right? Because otherwise, any commitment we do, like, okay, are we going to have uh, coffee on Wednesday? Or like every Wednesday, you know, every Wednesday? When does that end, right? Is it every Wednesday for the rest of your life? Of course not. So you get to choose when you can break those type of commitments. You get to choose when you... When it's time to let go of a friendship, when it's time to let go of someone who's been there in your life like for really long, but now it's just time to let go, right? So that is the idea. So that is a way to just learn when to let go of relationships that no longer help us, right? And does that sound selfish? Is that what came to your mind? Maybe it does, right? But here's a way to redefine selfishness that might be helpful because no one tells you this. And this is from a beautiful book called Awareness, in case you want to check it out, by Anthony DeMello. I mentioned it a couple of times. It's probably in my, in my top three books of all time. I love it. And the idea is that selfishness and self-centeredness are different things. Now, he would describe that selfishness is when you want other people to do things under your own criteria, under your own standards, in your own time. So again, like it's, when you want other people to do things when you want it, in the way you want it, right? So to claim to your, I don't know, to your brother or to whoever you have close in your life, like, okay, we're doing this, we're doing this, and we're doing that, and everything in my own time as I want it. That is selfish, right? When you tell to your girlfriend, yeah, we're going to do this in the weekend and this, and next week you're, you're coming with me to this thing because I want to, right? And that is selfishness. And the other person might say, yes, okay, I'll do everything you want because I love you and that kind of stuff. But no, that is not love. <laughs> love is to be able to just communicate and be like, okay, I want to do this and I want to do this other thing. Can we do things separately? I mean, Anthony DeMello in this book talks about like, would you rather be happy or be with me in a relationship, right? Would you rather be happy 
or lose a relationship kind of idea. And most people would say like, no, no, I mean, I'm, of course, I love that person. I wouldn't leave them, even if I'm unhappy. And he says, well, yeah, I mean, both people are unhappy, but long live love, right? So it's not like that. Like, I mean, you need to be, well, as we described, selfishness is not a, it's not a, well, it is a bad thing. That is selfishness when you demand other people to do things as you want them, right? Sorry, I got in a bit of a detour, but <laughs> selfishness is to want other people to do things as you want them to. And the other idea is self-centeredness, which is when you decide to do things when you want them for yourself, right? So you decide that this thing is good for me and saying no to someone is also good for me. So I choose to say no to, to people who are not adding value to my life. I choose to say no to them because I believe it's important for me to look after myself, right? That is not selfishness. That is self-centeredness and it's not a bad thing because in order to be good people towards others, we need to be in a good condition ourselves. We cannot help others until we help ourselves. It's a classic idea that everyone talks about. Like the analogy is that in an airplane, they always tell you, put your safety mask first before you help others. Because you simply cannot help other people until you can help yourself. And that is essential. But we tend to not understand that. Even Michael Jackson said it in, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to make a change right? That's where you can start. You cannot change the world. You have to change yourself first. That's the only thing you have power over. Excellent people are in a better position to help other people. We have the classic idea of someone who is selfless, who just gives themselves to others, but doesn't look after themselves. I mean, what is that? It's such a misconception and we need to address it. So yeah, go address it. <laughs> but yeah, okay. And finally, I just want to end with the final point. I know this is getting a bit long, but I hope you enjoyed it. And finally, I want to talk about the idea of suffering, right? What are we willing to suffer for? That is a real question because it's not a matter of like, do you want to suffer in life or do you want to not suffer in life? We're going to suffer about things in life. We're going to get disappointed. It doesn't matter how much we try to avoid disappointment. We're going to get disappointed. So the real question is, what are you willing to suffer for? If you're a parent and you're willing to suffer for your kids and their safety and their love, that is willing. That is something you're willing to suffer for and that's okay. Embrace it and endure the difficulties that it brings, right? If you're willing to suffer for a relationship that you truly care about, suffer for it. That is your meaning right now. You might get destroyed, uh, a broken heart. You'll deal with that later. If that's what you're willing to suffer for, go for it, right? Like it's your choice, but just be willing to suffer for it. Don't pretend you're not going to suffer for it. Because you will, right? So choose the things you're willing to suffer for. If you are willing to suffer for wisdom and everything it takes to acquire it, suffer for that, right? So that is the idea. And finally, is like the idea of we cannot eliminate problems. We can only choose to have better problems, right? So go have better problems. <laughs> go find out what is what are you willing to suffer for and come back next week for another episode. Thanks again to Jonathan for his amazing input and, and for sharing all of his ideas and his struggles, I truly appreciate it. If you want to form part of the podcast, feel free to message me on Instagram or on the content information in the show notes. I'd be happy to have you here in the podcast and to just talk about whatever you need to talk. I hope this has added value to your life. I really appreciate it. If you found this useful, please consider supporting me in Patreon. It is the way right now I can figure out how to make this sustainable economically because this, this podcast has been completely ad-free in 46 episodes. 
I've invested a lot of time in it. I put a lot of effort into making valuable content. So if you have the chance right now to contribute somehow, it means a lot. If not, I, I get it. Don't worry. And yeah, also check out the newsletter where I'm adding extra value to those of you who choose to to subscribe to that. So I hope I see you there. And without further ado, I just want to remind you, memento mori, and have a great weekend. Sorry, weekend. Have a great week. I, I ruined it at the very end. Okay, <laughs> memento mori. Bye.